How are you all this morning? Good. Three of you are good. You're good. Good, good. That's the answer to everything if you're a man in a marriage. How you going? Good. Don't need to go into any more detail, do we? Good. Lucy was looking through my year seven art diary and she saw all the stuff and you have to write comments about your work. And I used the word okay probably about a hundred times in that art diary. This picture's okay. Oh, this, this guy's okay. Okay was just my go-to word. But now it's become good. So I'm glad that you are good this morning and not just okay. But um, hey, tonight we've got a great 6 p.m. service planned. Steve Bruce is a good friend of mine. He's um, served over in England as a young adults pastor and a kids pastor and worship pastor. He's done everything, basically. He's now back at Globe Church. Um, he's got three young kids. He's a school teacher. And he's just a great young man of God. He's going to be here tonight sharing the word. So come along to our 6 p.m. service. We only have them once a month. So if you miss out tonight, you've got to wait a whole another month to come along. But be here tonight for a 6 p.m. service. It's going to be good. All right, today I'm starting a series. I'm actually on for the next three weeks, so if you don't like it, don't come. <laughs> but I'm starting a series today, and it's called Bread and Water. And it comes, I've been reading through the book of John. And I was reading in John 6 a few weeks ago, and John 6 verse 35 says this, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And so this morning we're going to go to the bread part of that scripture. Jesus said this little passage, he said this to the crowds that had followed him. If you read previously before, Jesus has just fed the 5,000 people. He fed them with loaves of bread and with fish. And he said this to the people who said, I am the bread of life. But the reason he said it to them was because he was trying to address something that was going on with him. See, the crowds of people followed Jesus that day because they wanted another miracle. Jesus said that they only followed him because he fed them. It's a bit like, um, I don't know if you've seen at church here, but Louie sometimes has the lolly bag out and she has kids following her around. And they love Louie, don't get me wrong, but I know why they're following Louie. <laughs> it's because of the chocolate and the lollies and the sugar. And Jesus is saying this to this crowd here. He's saying, you're only here following me. They followed him from the other side of the lake. You're only here because I fed you. And in verse 26 and 27, he says this, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. Verse 27, don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. See, Jesus often taught using metaphors or stories, things that meant something, but he used a story to tell it. In this case, he's using the metaphor of bread. And he's trying to get the crowd's attention and their focus away from the physical needs of life, from the physical bread, from the food, from the material things. He's trying to get their focus away from that and make them aware that bread can and does represent so much more than just looking after your belly. Or so much more than just your possessions. Or so much more than just the things that you receive in life. In the Bible you will read, you'll discover that bread is actually a very common theme that is used throughout the Bible. And it means more than bread that you eat. Rick Warren suggests these four things that the bread represents. First of all, he says that bread represents the necessities of life. He says that in the economy of God, God says, I will supply it and you gather it. 
You, this is Rick Warren stuff. You've got to go to work. Even the, the Israelites had to go out and pick up the manna's work. Work is a part of God's purpose for our lives because it builds character. Proverbs 14.23 in the Message Bible says, Hard work always pays off. Mere talk puts no bread on the table. So sometimes in the Bible when it's talking about bread, it's referring to the necessities of life, the food we eat or the provision that we need. And God is our provider. The second thing that bread can represent is the Word of God. The Bible is spiritual food and bread is a symbol for Scripture. So when it says bread, it's actually talking about the Bible or the Word of God. Number three, bread represents God's family and fellowship. 1 Corinthians 10, 16 in the Amplified says this, Is the bread which we break when we have communion not a sharing in the body of Christ? Indeed, it is. So the bread represents the body or the family or the community that you are part of, like the team shared. They were united with those people in Vanuatu, not because of culture, not because of race, not because of what they did, but because of Jesus. There was a unity there and there was that community that was there because of that. And bread is a metaphor for the family of God. And we know we need God's people in our life. Rick Warren says the church is to be a place of fellowship. Now, I don't know about you, but when I was a teenage boy, that word fellowship just sounded dumb. It just, like, fellowship, what does that mean? Is it some guys on a ship together? What is it about? That's literally what me and my brother thought fellowship meant. Here's a better word for you if you struggle with the word fellowship. Connection. You know, church is meant to be a place of connection. And think about why we do things. The reason why we have coffee before a service or after a service, the reason why we have furniture out there is not because we need coffee to live. It's not because we're hungry and we haven't had any food. The reason all that is out there is for connection. You and I, when we come to church, don't come going, I'm not getting connected. Go out there and connect. Go out there and talk to people. If you've been here for longer, look out for new people. Look out for people that are standing on their own. Look out for people that are finding it a bit awkward and a bit difficult. Have you ever been to a new church? It can be hard. I know. <laughs> but can I encourage you, can I challenge you that church is to be a place of connection? And it's our responsibility on both parts to be looking out for people that may not be connected, but also just to be intentionally connecting with people. Not, I know sometimes we have to rush off and that's okay, but we intentionally keep service to an hour and a half so that we allow time for connection afterwards. So I encourage you today, let church be a place of connection. Let the bread represent a body that you are a part of. Bread also represents salvation, number four. Jesus chose bread to represent his sacrifice in communion like we remembered this morning, that he gave his body, that his body was broken for us, and that we remember the bread and we drink the wine or the juice. It's a reminder that God loves us and the sacrifice he made so that we can have eternity with him. So you see in the Bible that bread gets used quite a bit. Jesus used it, others used it to teach. And this morning I'm going to focus on number two. We can't go through them all, but number two was that the bread represents God's word. Today I'm going to focus on that. And I want us to go to a passage in the Bible, Matthew chapter 4. It's when Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days. He was 40 days without food. And the devil came to him and tempted him. There's three occasions that are recorded where the devil came to tempt Jesus. And we're going to read the first 
of those occasions. Matthew 4, verse 3. During that time, the devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. And Jesus told him, No, the Scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Even though Jesus would have been hungry, he's without food for 40 days, he declares that there is something that he needs more than food at that moment. He declares that there's something more important to his life than meeting his physical hunger at that moment. And that for him is the word of God. Jesus declares that we need both. We need physical bread and we also need the nourishment of spiritual bread, referring to the word of God. Rick Warren says this, Real life comes by feeding on every word of the Lord. You don't just need physical nourishment, but you also need spiritual nourishment. The reality is we need both. As a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, we need the Word of God in our life. Just like we put bread or food into our body, we need to put His Word into our lives. I don't know how you grow as a Christian without feeding off the Word of God. I don't know how you survive as a follower of God without feeding on the Word of God. The Word of God in this scripture, he says, it's life. I need it. He doesn't say it's just an optional extra. But Jesus himself, the Son of God, said, I don't just live off that physical bread. He was fully man, so he needed that bread to survive. But he declared, no, I don't just live off that. That stuff's good. I like it. I'm going to eat after the 40 days. The fast will be broken and it's going to be glorious. But there's something I need more than that. And that is the Word of God. See, what the Word of God can do in your lives is amazing. Psalm 119 verse 11 says this, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. We all get tempted to do the wrong thing. Who here has never been tempted? Anyone? Can't see any hands. No. We all get tempted. But the word of God within us can protect us from that temptation. We see this with Jesus. We just read the passage. Jesus is tempted in the wilderness. And how does he overcome the temptation? He overcomes the temptation by quoting the word of God. He's actually quoting Deuteronomy 8.3, which says, People do not live by bread alone. Rather, we live by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So Jesus is tempted, and his response to the temptation is to declare Scripture. See, temptation is always a lie. It's always a lie. It's always making something look better than what it is, or make something not seem as bad as what it is. And it's always a lie presented to you. And all of us are tempted with those lies. Sometimes it can be an attempt to, to act in a certain way or to do a certain thing. Other times it can just be a temptation to think a certain way or to feel a certain way. It's a temptation that is not lined up with the truth. So Jesus' answer, the way to defeat a lie, is always the truth. Jesus simply yet powerfully spoke the truth when he was confronted with a lie. And the thing is, he knew it. He didn't have to look it up. He didn't have to Google a scripture. It was within him. The other week, I think it was last Sunday, I was talking to Derek. And I said, Derek, where's that scripture? Because I was trying to think of where the passage was of the widow giving in the offering. I was getting my offering ready and I hadn't had time earlier that morning and it was last minute. And I'm sitting on the front row and I said, all my devices are gone. The kids have taken them. I haven't got Google to script, I forgot where that scripture was. And Derek just goes, oh yeah, it's in Luke 20, 21. Sure enough, straight to it. I think it was Luke 20, 21. Why? Because he knew it. It was 
within him. And that's what this shows us, that the scripture was within Jesus. And when the time came, when the temptation came, he was able to draw it out and use the truth for that situation. When it says, I have hidden your word in my heart, that's what it's talking about. Putting God's word into you so that when time comes, you can draw it out and use it. Just like you put physical food in in the morning so that when you need energy throughout the day, it's there to give you the energy that you need. That's what it is with the word of God. The bread goes in and then when the life happens, temptation comes, you're able to draw upon it and it gives you the answer or the truth that you need. That's why you put the word of God into your heart. Not only does the word of God protect us, but it also gives us direction and guidance. Further on in Psalm 119, it says this, Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. God's word can speak to us about our current situation. It says our feet. So that's where you're standing right now. God's word can give you light and direction to wherever your feet are now. Wherever your situation is, whatever circumstance, whatever's going on, God can give you light to that situation can give you perspective in that situation. But not only does he want to talk to you about where you are now, he also wants to light the path, which is the way forward. So he gives you direction and and perspective for here and now, but he also says he wants to light up your path, which is the way forward, the way to take you on where you've never been before. He gives you light for here and now, but he also gives you light for where he wants to take you. And it's done through the word of God doesn't give you anything for going backwards by the way he gives you light for now and he gives you light for the path forward but it's his word that leads and guides you i love what paul wrote to timothy about the word of god second timothy three all scripture is inspired by god and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives it corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right I love verse 17. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. God uses his word to prepare you and equip you for what he wants you to do in your life. That's why you need it. How are you supposed to grow? How are you supposed to follow God without his word being fed into your life? Paul also wrote this about the word of God. Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Yuck. Who wants the most innermost thoughts and desires exposed? Not me. It's a little bit like um, eating vegetables as a kid. Did anyone as a child, as a kid, like Brussels sprouts? Okay, we're going to have an order call for you at the end. We're going to pray and lay hands on you and set you free from that. Did any kids like broccoli? All right, it's even bigger response is going to be on this side. What's the other one that we struggle with? Mu- oh, no, mush- oh, yeah, mushrooms you grow. To- who like, you don't need, who, turnips, parsley, cauliflower. <laughs> boiled up, like, yuck, Exactly. I am not saying anything about my wife's cooking right now. (laughs) I'm talking about eating vegetables as a kid. Do not draw parallels to anything else. 
as a kid, we don't like veggies, most of us. But we are forced to eat them because they are good for us. And sometimes reading the Word of God is a little bit like eating a vegetable as a kid. It's not enjoyable, it's not comfortable, but it's good for us because it exposes and reveals the real us. It reveals the innermost thoughts and desires. And until we are aware of them, until we address them, we can't do anything about them. And sometimes the Word of God goes straight to our heart and straight to our soul and it exposes an attitude, exposes a belief, exposes a a false, a lie that we're believing. And it says, hey, that's not right. That doesn't line up with the Word of God and it exposes us. And if we're honest, we look at it and we go, put that Brussels sprout in my mouth, swallow it and let it do good for me because I know it is doing good even if I don't enjoy it right now and if you've got a parent you just shove it down that six-year-old's throat and you say you will eat this food or we will be here till midnight and that still doesn't work pray for us (laughs) the truth is we need the word of God because it is what sustains us it is what helps us to grow it is what gives us nourishment protection direction guidance wisdom the word of God needs to be a staple of our diet. It, we need it. I, I hopefully, I, haven't, I don't need to convince you anymore of the need for the Word of God in our life. See, another time Jesus was teaching the people, and this time he was teaching the crowds, he was teaching them how to pray. It's referred to as the Lord's Prayer. And verse 11 of Matthew 6 says this, Give us today our daily bread. The daily bread that Jesus was referring to is both the physical bread that we need each day, Seven o'clock every morning, a six-year-old in our house will come to me and say, breakfast time, because he needs his daily rice bubbles. <laughs> but we also need the spiritual bread, the bread for our soul, our spirit, and our heart. And in this scripture, Jesus instructs us to pray for this daily, just like we pray for his provision, just like we pray for his um, abundance in our life, we need to pray for the daily bread in our lives see we all understand that we need to eat daily our body will tell us if we haven't eaten that day on friday i had to have a minor medical procedure and i wasn't allowed to eat from 6 a.m till uh, five in the afternoon it was a day without eating so i got up at 5 30 and had a vegemite sandwich got it into the system just to give me a little bit to get through that day but at lunchtime my body was sending me signals what was it saying Feed me, feed me, McDonald's, anything will do, just feed me. Because it had noticed that the daily intake of food that normally goes in was not happening. And it was sending me a message saying, you need to be fed. But what about the Word of God? The Word of God is meant to be something that we eat daily. How many of you would like to only eat a meal once a week at 10 a.m. on a Sunday? How many teenage boys would like to only eat food once a week at 10 a.m. on a Sunday? You would survive. You wouldn't die. You would survive, I hope. But you wouldn't be very healthy. You wouldn't be very strong. And you wouldn't be putting the right things in to help you grow and to be the, the best you can be. Can I encourage you, follower of Jesus, 
not to wait till 10 a.m. on a Sunday to receive the Word of God, but to ask God to give you your daily bread, to learn to feed yourself daily from His Word. See, as a preacher, preparing a sermon is like preparing a meal. You put work into it to prepare the meal. You want to use good, fresh ingredients, not serve up yesterday's leftovers, to make the meal. And hopefully you feed those who have come to enjoy the meal with you. And that's good. It's important that at church, the Word of God is taught in a way that gives life and nourishment and growth. The pulpit should be a place where the Word of God is preached and is helpful to those who come in and listen to it. As a preacher, that's what I aim to do. But I also aim for more than that. I pray that every time I preach, the people wouldn't just enjoy the meal, but they would also be inspired and equipped to cook for themselves. That they would not just eat a good meal on the day, but they would also think about how they could go home and prepare their own meal to feed themselves and not just rely on a once-a-week cook-up from the pastor, but that they would be feeding themselves daily. I don't want to pastor a church that is reliant on me or whoever is up here preaching to be their only source of the Word of God because God help you if you are. You're relying on man to feed you. And I know I'm going to do my best and I'm going to go to the Word of God but you need to be feeding yourselves. My, preach, my role as the preacher is not just to feed people, but to inspire and equip people to feed themselves. Who's heard this old saying? Give a man a fish and you feed him for a day. Teach a man to fish and you feed him for a lifetime. You want the Aussie version? Do you want the Aussie version? Give a man a fish and you feed him for a day. Teach a man to fish and you'll never see him again. <laughs> preach it. See, we've got to get beyond relying on the preacher to feed us the Word of God. We've got to get to a place where we feed ourselves. At our national conference, which we had two weeks ago, James McPherson shared a, a message called How to Think in a World That's Lost Its Mind. And he was challenging the cultural norms of today on how people, what society thinks. And one of the things he addressed, he says that one of the symptoms of our culture is that we've outsourced our thinking. We've outsourced our thinking to other people, to other devices. And the example he gave, I think I've got a picture of it. The next one goes up. This is some Japanese tourists who drove their rental car into Moreton Bay trying to get to Stradbroke Island off Queensland because their GPS led them that way. <laughs> See, instead of driving according to what was in front of them and using their brain, they relied upon... Google Maps or GPS or whatever else it was, telling them that this is how you get to where you are going. Now, I love Google Maps. Google Maps was a lifesaver on our trip. But there were times where we had to think for ourselves and drive the conditions in front of us, not what Google Maps was saying. This next picture is not one of those times. <laughs> this is where I got it wrong and fell into a ditch. And had a wife put it on Facebook. <laughs> See, we can do the same thing, though. We can outsource so many things in life. We can outsource our thinking. And it's, uh, look, there's nothing wrong with that. Get someone else to mow your lawn by own means. Get someone else to clean your car, do your taxes. 
but do not outsource the feeding on the Word of God to someone else. That is your responsibility and yours alone. It doesn't matter how good the preaching is, don't let it become your main source of being fed from the Bible. T.D. Jakes is brilliant. Stephen Furtick can preach the house down. Spurgeon, who I love to read, is an amazing teacher of the Word of God. But they cannot replace me spending time in God's presence reading the Word of God for my situation, for what I'm going through, for what God wants to speak and reveal to me. The Holy Spirit guiding you as you read the Word of God is cannot be outsourced to anyone or anything. Use those things. By all means, listen to good preaching. Use great study resources, but not at the expense of you eating and preparing the Word of God for yourself. All right. That's good, Lottie. You've told us what the Scripture says. You've hopefully inspired us to read our Word. But how? Who struggles? I struggle. I'll get paid to read the Bible. (laughs) Who's ever found it difficult to read the Word of God? Yes, we all have had times. There's been times in my life where it's been really hard. So how do you do it? What works? What doesn't work? I'm going to share with you some things that I do. First thing I know is you've got to have a plan. It doesn't just happen. Eating... Food just happens. I don't have to get up and go, now remember to eat today. I just do it. But reading the Word of God, I actually have to remind myself and have a plan and be intentional about it. This is what I do. It is not the only way to do it. It is just simply what I have discovered works for me. I start by reading a proverb a day. Today is the 21st of the month, so this morning I read Proverbs 21. That's what I do. I've done it for years and I just read some from Proverbs. Then I will read one other chapter from somewhere else in the Bible. At the moment, I've just finished reading the Gospels. I finished John, the book of John this morning. So I've just done that. I'm probably going to go into Acts now and read through the New Testament. Other times I might feel like just reading, God might say, I want you to read Isaiah or I want you to do this. I just read through another chapter. It's not just jumping all over the place. Um, you've heard the story about the person that just flicked their Bible open and it was like, um, okay, God, what do you want? And, he goes, and Judas went out and hung himself. Oh, no, that's not very nice. <laughs> now go and do likewise. That doesn't help you. You need to have a plan and a structure. I do anyway. So I read a proverb. Then I read somewhere from the rest of the Bible. And what I do while I read those two chapters is I have a journal is my blue journal and I take at least a page get a pen out and I write down a verse or two from that chapter that has spoken to me that morning maybe it was a reminder maybe it was a challenge maybe it was just an encouragement Um, while I'm reading it I ask questions I ask things like who wrote this who were they writing it to what was happening at the time How would the main characters be feeling? If that was me in their situation, what would it be like? I'm not just taking the words into thing, but I'm actually trying to put myself in the story. So this morning, Proverbs 21, verse 1. The king's heart is like a stream of water directed by the Lord. He guides it wherever he pleases. Why did I write that down? Because my prayer was, God, let my heart be guided wherever you please. Just a simple reminder Not a big confrontation, not a big thing I need to change, but just a simple reminder that in my life, 
I need to let my heart be guided wherever God chooses. Go a little bit further down. Verse 31. 31. The horse is prepared for the day of battle, but the victory belongs to the Lord. The sermon is prepared for Sunday, but the success belongs to the Lord. Just a reminder for me as a preacher that when I get up, it's not about me, but it's about God. That's what I read this morning in John 21. I only wrote five words down. One was a quote, a speech mark, feed my sheep. Verse 22, follow me. Very simple stuff here, but that's what I read this morning when I had my time with God. Then, actually before I go to then, just, how are we going for time? Who's ever heard of the word exegesis? It's a little bit of a formal word, but basically it's the study of the Word of God. It's um, critical explanation or interpretation of Scripture. And you can think that that's only for preachers and that's only for Bible scholars, but what we just did then by asking questions is, in, is interpreting the Scripture. And it's the most basic form of pulling out the truth from the Word of God. Exegesis very quickly tries to do these four things. Observation, what does the passage say? Number two, interpretation, what does this mean? Number three, correlation. How does this passage relate to the rest of the Bible? Sometimes in the Bible there'll be a little number and it'll say this verse also appears in this chapter. Or a similar theme is over here and it gives you a relation to other passages of the scripture that talk about the same thing. And fourthly, and probably for me the most important, application. How should this passage affect my life? They're the questions that we're asking when we read the word of God. Not just taking down words and information but actually letting it come in in a way that can challenge us encourage us guide us and change us that's what we're doing when we're reading the word of god i then finish my time by reading one of my little favorites this is called the checkbook of the bank of faith by charles spurgeon and it's a funny little concept but it's a great concept the idea is that each one of these pages which is takes about two minutes to read is like a check that you are depositing into your bank of faith. And it's one scripture and his thoughts on that scripture. I read this last because I want my fresh, the stuff that's just from God, like hasn't been interpreted by another man, as good as that other man is. I try to do this first and then finish with this. And it just gives me a deposit of faith or a deposit of truth that I don't know when, but at some stage I will draw upon when I need it. That's what I do. And that takes me about 30 minutes and I have a cup of coffee and I try to find a place of our house that is somewhat quiet to do it. It usually means out the back on the deck, even if it's cold, I wrap myself in a sleeping bag because that's the only place where you can get a little bit of peace and quiet to do that. I do it in the morning because I find if I don't, it doesn't happen. Things that I need to watch out for. I cannot use the Bible app on my phone or iPad when I do this because I do not have enough self-control to check SMS, emails, the sports scores or the word with friends score that my mum is trying to beat me on from the night before <laughs> because you get notifications and it interrupts you. So I have to go to the good old paper Bible because I have found that I get distracted. Don't have ADHD, I just get distracted by my iPad and my kids do as well. The second thing that I have to look out for, I have to be careful that I don't make it a message. 
I have to be careful that when I'm reading it, I don't go, oh, that'll preach and prepare a message. Because I'm a preacher and a pastor and I prepare messages a lot, that is a real temptation for me. Oh, that's good. I could preach that. But I have to go, no, I'm here to feed myself this morning, not to do the work. I'm here to feed, not to prepare. And sometimes if it's a really, really good message, and I just go, okay, I'll, I'll put a little asterisk next to it and I can come back to it. But I've got to work hard at saying, no, this is my time to read the Word of God. Have you ever been on a plane and they give you the, the message before you take off about the oxygen mask? And they say, the oxygen mask, if they fall down, be selfish. Don't worry about the child next to you. Put it on yourself first and then assist those around you. And in this time, you can be selfish. I have to be selfish in this time. I have to feed myself first. Otherwise, there's nothing to draw upon for my own life. I have to do that. Um, uh, like I said, I'll come back to it if it's a good message. John 6.35 came from me reading three weeks ago. And I put a little asterisk next to it and went back to it. But it has to be that. And the other thing I need to look out for is holidays. Holidays just seem to wreak havoc with my feeding on the Word of God. And I've got to make sure that I don't get slack because I do get slack. I have to watch out for it. And I get... Like I said, I've been a Christian nearly all my life. I've been a pastor for nearly 20 years. And it's still something I have to be dedicated in and committed to. It's important in this that if you do miss a day, don't beat yourself up. But at the same time, don't let a day become two and then a few days become a week. Because it's like anything. The longer you leave it, the harder it is to do it again, isn't it? Like exercise, like diet, like anything. It's got to be something that you go, you know, I actually need this. Not a have to, not a I better do it now because it's what good Christians do, but no, I need this because it's life. I need this because it's the air that I breathe. It's the energy, it's the nourishment, it's what I need to survive. If it's always a have to, then can I encourage you to change something? Maybe it's the way you read your Bible, maybe it's when you read your Bible. But if it's a have to and you're doing it because it's out of duty and obligation, it won't give you life. It won't feed you. But get to a place where you can actually go, no, this is actually going to feed me. Maybe you want to listen to it. Some people listen to the scriptures on audio and they do it in the car or they do it when they exercise. Whatever it is. If Lozzie were to get up here and tell you what she did, it would be very different to what I do. Because she's wired differently. But she still feeds herself. And I feed myself and I encourage all of you to be people that feed yourself from the Word of God. My question as we finish this morning for you, are you happy, are you satisfied with how you feed yourself? Do you even feed yourself? And here's the challenge and the application. What's one thing that you could do different this week that might help you in feeding yourself from the Word of God? Don't go out of here and say, oh, I'm going to read the Bible for two hours every morning. I'm going to get up at 4 a.m. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. That's good. And it's, if you can do it, good to just pick one thing. If you're not reading the Bible at all, maybe just decide to read one verse a day and ask God, what does that verse mean to my life? Maybe you're already doing that. Well, maybe I encourage you to get a, a Bible reading plan and work through a passage of Scripture. Whatever it is, there's little steps that all of us can do and add 
then we can say, God, I want to grow as a follower of you. I want to feed on the bread of your word. And that responsibility is not on me. It's not on your life group leader. It's not on your spouse. It's on you. You want to grow? Then feed yourself. We have so much access in this country to not only the Word of God, but also resource. The internet has got so much good stuff as well. Kurong, there's endless amounts of resources available for us to feed ourselves and to learn how to feed ourselves. But it all comes back to us seeing the need and wanting to do it. And I encourage you in my prayer this morning is that you would be a follower of God that feeds yourself. Matthew 4.4, we do not live by bread alone but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Can I pray for us this morning? Can I pray for you? Let's close our eyes. God, I thank you for every person here. I thank you, God, that your word is life to us. I thank you that it is powerful and that it is active and it's there to change our lives for the better. God, I pray that we would be a church this morning that doesn't rely on Sundays or doesn't rely on life groups to be fed by the Word of God. But we would be people that feed ourselves from your Word, daily bread for our life to help us grow and to be the person that you've called us to be. God, we thank you for your truth. We thank you for your life. We thank you for the bread of life that you represent. We give you praise and we thank you this morning. In Jesus' name. You can open your eyes. You've got one last thing. It's for those of you that are here in this room and you've never made a decision to believe in God, to follow Him, to invite Him into your life. Today I want to finish by giving you an opportunity to invite Jesus in. We read at the beginning of today, it said, John 6.35, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. See, we can fill our life with all kinds of things, good things, bad things. But all of those things, no matter how good they are, no matter how good the relationship is, the experience is, the provision is, the house is, the car is, the job is, no matter how good those things are, ultimately they will still leave us hungry for more. They'll Ultimately they'll still leave us going, God, there's got to be more to life than this. But Jesus says that when we come to Him and we experience a relationship with Him, we will never be hungry again. And that by believing in Him, we will never be thirsty again because he fills that gap in our lives even the gap that we didn't know existed he comes in and he fills it and today if you would like to invite Jesus into your heart if you would allow to let him come and fill that gap and that need in your life then I want to ask you to invite him into your heart it says that if you invite him in you believe in your heart you confess that he is Lord then you will be saved and so this morning as we finish I'm going to ask you to close your eyes just one more time We are nearly done, but this is an important moment. If you're here this morning and you don't know who Jesus is, you're not in relationship with Him, maybe you once were, but today you are not following Him, you're not living for Him. And today is a day where you say, God, I want Jesus, I want to get to know you. I want to invite you into my life. I want to declare that I believe in you and that my hope and my future is in you. If that's you this morning, I just want you to raise your hand right now so I can see it. So raise it up high and say, yeah, that's me, Lottie. You're not responding to me, you're responding to God. And He is the bread of life. And when you feed on Him, you will never be hungry again.
I'm going to give you that moment in this place. Maybe you're not ready to do that. I encourage you to come and speak to one of our team. We'd love to meet you. We'd love to encourage you. We'd love to give you a Bible, the bread of life that we've talked about, that can help you to know who God is and the difference He can make in your life. All right, we are done. Next week, or this week was the bread. What's next week? The water. Part two next Sunday. Thanks, Jeanette.